Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Adam Go Rightly. He has just published a book. It came out February 3rd, 2021. The title of the book is Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks, UFO Disinformation in the Age of Aquarius. I just finished the book today. It's a fascinating read. Yesterday, I had on a guest, Ralph Blumenthal, about John Mack. So this week, it's kind of continuing kind of a UFO theme. But this is not the first book for people who haven't heard of Adam Go Rightly. He's written many other books. One is, let's see, The Prankster and the Conspiracy, the story of Kerry Thornley and how he met Oswald and inspired the counterculture that was published in 2003. A book that I've read, which is also an excellent book, is The Shadow Over Santa, Susanna, Black Magic, Mind Control, and the Manson Family. That was Mythos, published in 2009. And uh, another book, Historia Discordia, with an intro by Robert Anton Wilson, somebody I'm familiar with, that was published or republished in 2014. There's also another UFO book, A is for Adamski, The Golden Age of the UFO Contactees, published 2018. But uh, this book goes into a lot of uh, information about really kind of this dulce base. And just it's just it's a perfectly titled book because it's, it really is about saucer spooks and kooks. So, Adam, go rightly. Are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me on, William. Awesome. Well, thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people maybe who aren't as familiar, I mean, I talked about some of your books. Can you talk about your background and what progressed up into writing this fascinating book, Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks? So uh, I had my own uh, odd UFO experience back when I was in my late teens. And uh, <laughs> really don't need to get into all that now, but that got me interested in the uh subject. Uh, actually, I was uh, interested even before that, you know, when I was like uh, 13, 14, 15, that was kind of the uh, period uh, where you had, uh, what was the old, uh, In Search Of, and uh, right. a lot of those uh, paperback books that look similar to the cover of uh, Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks, you know. So as a a teen growing up, I was interested in the topic and also got interested in uh, conspiracy theories, the JFK assassination. So, you know, got immersed in the uh, scene over the years, started writing for zines in the 90s on a lot of these topics. And you mentioned uh, Shadow Over Santa Susanna. Black Magic, Mind Control, and the Manson Family Mythos wrote that around uh, 2000. My interest uh, really getting in writing that book had to do with these theories I had heard about uh, the Manson family as part of a military mind control experiment. So that's how I kind of uh, began uh, researching that topic, and that evolved into, God, uh, turned out to be like a uh, several hundred page uh, book on the entire Manson family thing. So I've been in the scene uh, looking at uh, UFOs, paranormal uh, conspiracies, and, uh, you know, a lot of the subject and matter in the book I was first exposed to in the late 80s and 90s and uh, uh, continued being interested in the subject. And about 10 years ago, Decided, decided to take a, a deeper dive into the whole Dulce base mythos, which is uh, one of the areas examined in the book. Right. And so for people who haven't heard or may not be as 
uh, knowledgeable as in-depth as you about this situation. Can you describe the Dulce base and how it became this kind of foundational area and event in ufology? Well, it really started with uh, Paul Benowitz, Dr. Paul Benowitz. And you'd mentioned you just watched the uh, documentary Mirage Men, which gets into the whole uh, Benowitz affair. But uh, uh, kind of a thumbnail sketch. He was a uh, physicist and uh, also worked in avionics, did government uh, contracts uh, in the uh, mid to late uh, 70s, and was also a UFO uh, enthusiast, cattle mutilation uh, researcher. And uh, he lived uh, adjacent to Kirtland Air Force Base uh, during that period, and he began seeing UFOs over the uh, facility, which uh, sparked his interest and concerned him because he saw it as a national security uh, threat, perhaps. So at that time, he started filming these UFOs, and he was also had uh, some really sophisticated listening equipment for picking up uh, different signals and whatnot, and uh, uh, once again became concerned, con- uh, he contacted the uh, security there at Kirtland Air Force Base, let them know what he was seeing, and in turn, uh, he uh, became uh, under surveillance by Air- the Air Force Office of Special Investigations because they wanted to know exactly what uh, Benowitz was picking up on. Benowitz uh, began to believe these were UFOs, perhaps alien intelligence that were behind what he was witnessing. But at the same time at Kirtland, uh, there was a bunch of uh, testing of secret craft going on during that uh, period and the signals he was picking up on were most likely this uh, laser communication system they were also testing out that communicated with uh, satellites. So that's how he came up on the radar of the uh, intelligence agencies, the NSA and whatnot. They wanted to know uh, what exactly <laughs> Benowitz had figured out and if he was sharing any of this information with foreign nationals. Now, I'm slowly getting to the uh, Dulce base part of this. Um, in 1980, there, a lady by the name of Myrna Hansen, she was in her mid-20s, uh, she was... She and her son were traveling through uh, Eagle Nest, uh, New Mexico, when they witnessed a UFO. And the UFO, according to her story, a beam came down and, like, a uh, tractor beam and sucked up a cow into the ship. And she went, wow. And then the next thing she knows, she's getting sucked up into the ship with her son, where she witnessed a uh, cattle mutilation, of all things, conducted by these aliens. That's what she believed she was uh, witnessing. Afterwards, uh, she was hysterical. She uh, contacted the local law enforcement uh, there in Cimarron, New Mexico. They didn't know what to do with this uh, story, but they knew about Gabe Valdez, who's kind of a famous figure. He's a New Mexico state trooper who was uh, investigating cattle mutilations in relation to UFO sightings. Uh, They got – Gabe got – talked to Myrna Hansen, and he also got in uh, contact with Paul Benowitz, who he knew. Benowitz knew a uh, 
somebody did uh, hypnotic regressions by the name of Leo Sprinkle, is another kind of semi-well-known name in uh, ufological circles back in the uh, day. And so they all got together, uh, Benowitz, uh, Myrna Hansen, and Leo Sprinkle, and started doing some hypnotic regressions on her. And this was like in, uh, shortly after her uh, encounter in uh, May 1980. Benowitz at that time was already beginning to believe that uh, there was an alien threat and that uh, and so when they conducted the um, hypnotic regressions they did it in his garage and in his Lincoln Town car and he covered the whole thing with uh, heavy duty aluminum foil but because he was concerned that the aliens were going to mess with the uh, hypnotic regressions, try to whatever, you know, right. uh, cl- yeah. uh, cl- clean her mind of the memories, et cetera. Right. He was very deep. I mean, from the very beginning, it seemed like he was seeing aliens and connections all over the place between these people. But yeah. And so, um, during they did a series of uh, regressions, and at uh, one point, uh, Hansen recalled being uh, taken by the ETs to an underground uh, base. And remember, this is way back 1980, you know, before a lot of these uh, kind of legends started uh, circulating. And at that uh, base, you know, she went under the medical procedure that. Uh, abductees go through she claimed she had been inserted with an implant at the base of her skull and at one uh, point she broke free of her captives and she uh, uh, saw what she described as these vats with these uh, weird creatures in uh, side of them, the alien-human hybrids, and that that whole uh, scenario that would later play out. You know, a decade uh, later, in, uh, you know, uh, X Files right, and I, other. I, yeah, films. right. You said that her regression sessions had many themes that would later litter UFO lore. So she was kind of like one of the first. Yeah, and before. before that, you know, you had uh, some app abductee experiences where people point to, well, you had Betty and Barney Hill back in the early 60s and Travis Walton in the mid-70s, but her experience really had all those elements in it that later became a mainstay in uh, ufology with the medical procedure, with the implant, with the <laughs> the alien hybrid under experiments going on in an underground base, and this was all connected as well to cattle mutilations in one way or another. So I guess what I'm getting at uh, with the Dulce base, uh, Benowitz began to believe that uh, the uh, base she was talking about was in Dulce, New Mexico, which she was also investigating uh, during this period. And uh, he had began through his investigations, uh, put together a report called Project Beta, which he was sending out to different uh, politicians, uh, uh, sent a copy to Ronald Reagan and different uh, U.S. state senators in New Mexico. And in um, one of the early uh, letters in the early 80s he sent, he talked about uh, an underground base where uh, 
the uh, U.S. government and the aliens had struck some type of treaty, and there was these experiments going on there. And Benowitz claimed at one point uh, early on there had been a confrontation between the U.S. Uh, government at the base and the aliens, and the base had been abandoned by the uh, government. It wasn't clear what had happened uh, to the uh, workers there, but uh, so – that letter, uh, you know, those few uh, things, uh, documented things that uh, Benowitz shared early on around uh, 1980 or so, that later fed into the whole uh, Dulce base uh, mythos. And that kind of like he was see, like he was very serious. He created all these like he was trying to create a beam weapon or something like that. He was developing. To, to yeah, fight. he was really deep. Like the world was going to be an end, and he was going to have to new, neutralize extraterrestrials and things like that. So he was. And kind I remember, of- I remember he, this was a very sharp guy. He did had these government contracts. He was a uh, physicist, and he you know set up this uh, whole array of listening equipment to pick up these signals going uh, at Kirtland. Now the story is uh, that. Uh, the uh, AFOSI, and particularly Richie, Richard Doty, who was a uh, special agent for the OF, AFOSI, um, and you saw him in that Mirage Man. Uh, Correct. And there's doc- a picture of him in your book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is. And uh, so Doty got involved, and they began feeding him uh, Benowitz disinformation throw him off track to confuse him what was going on at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. And they kind of pushed him in the direction of uh, Dulce. That's how he got interested in Dulce, kind of to divert his attention and to, uh, you know, further uh, plant some uh, disinformation that Doty would spread, perhaps to discredit him, but to also find out who he was communicating it. So it was all part of a big uh, counterintelligence uh, caper. Now, um, yeah, the space gun and that stuff. One one story that's very interesting is that uh, J. Allen Hynek of uh, Project Blue Book fame, and, you know, later he was uh, – technical advisor for close encounters of the third kind. Uh, this was alleged by uh, UFO uh, author researcher Bill Moore that he met Heineck in the early 80s during this time period when Heineck was still working for uh, doing contract work for the Air Force. And at that time, uh, Heineck according to Bill Moore, claimed that he had gifted Benowitz a computer with a uh, software program embedded. I'm not sure if Heineck told him it came from the Air Force, but that's where it came from. And Heineck informed uh, Benowitz that this there was software in there that would allow him to uh, basically communicate with the aliens. <clears throat> and so that was another channel of... Uh, myths or disinformation going on. And I document other people in the book actually saw Benowitz using that uh, computer. So it's, you know, more than just a uh, tall tale. So, yeah, he got immersed in this and he uh, developed a space gun 
as he called it, uh, to that he believed would thwart the aliens. I don't doubt he had something uh, cooked up and conceived that he thought would uh, deal with the salient uh, menace that he uh, perceived was working out of this Dulce base. And so <clears throat> all of this played out over the uh, 1980s, and eventually Benowitz had a uh, nervous breakdown kind of exited from the uh, field of ufology, but other people picked up on this uh, story, one of whom was uh, John Lear, who became a big promoter of the Dulce-based story around 1989. I get uh, pretty deep into how all of this developed and how other players got involved who may or may not have been spooks connected with intelligence agencies. Certainly John Lear uh, had a background uh, working with Air America as a pilot for the uh, CIA and another interesting character named Tal Levesque and as well as a lady named uh, who went by the name of Ann West by the name of, uh, her real name's Cherry Hinkle, and uh, those three were involved with the release of a document called the uh, Dulce uh, Papers back in the 89, and uh, it's really just an uh, eight, nine-page uh, document with hand drawings of these, uh, you know, the alien hybrids and the VAT and that whole bit, and it told the story of a security worker by the name of Thomas Castello, who had been part of the confrontation, similar to what Benowitz had mentioned. And they went into more depth that 66 uh, workers had been killed and that uh, Tom Castello had escaped and he used right. a uh, something called a flash gun. I, this is where I see more of the Benowitz influence that it was picked up from uh, – Benowitz's uh, space gun, this flash gun that helped him escape with uh, film and photographs and other evidence, and he be, supposedly became a uh, whistleblower. So this uh, story became kind of a big deal in uh, ufology during that uh, period of the late 1980s and continues to uh, live with right, us to, to this day. day. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole interesting arc of your book is that these – some of this dips information is taken seriously. Then somebody builds on it. Lear was the son of the Learjet fame. So he was wealthy. And you actually had a meeting like you met face to face. You kind of play into this whole story, meeting face to face with Tal Levesque, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's where, that's where it gets interesting. Cause uh, well, yeah, the whole thing's crazy. Um, but so it's, yeah, it's interesting because in my mind, when I was reading the book, you were kind of in the place of somebody trying to kind of give influence to you. Did you feel like he was trying to influence you and plant ideas with you? Oh, sure. So I, I wasn't familiar with uh, Tal Levesque. Maybe I had heard the name prior to like 2006 or so. But as I documented in the book, I got an email from uh, him and uh, I guess it was 2007, and there was no name to the email. It was just a email saying, uh, hey, I'm looking into developing a, a series on paranormal, paranormal phenomena in uh, Central California. He knew I lived here uh, somehow and uh, wondering if you had witnessed anything. And he said he was also involved with uh, – 
the underground uh, base episode of UFO Hunters as a producer, you know, and you get a lot of emails from folks. I wasn't quite sure he didn't say his name, but I had the email address, so I hit up uh, Bill and Nancy Burns. Bill Burns was doing UFO Hunters and showed him the email address. Do you know this guy? And he says, oh, yeah, that he knows things. Okay. They said, that's Talavesque. Mm-hmm, I've heard that name before. So I got started communicating with uh, Levesque, and he'd uh, been a longtime player in the uh, paranormal UFO scene, uh, high weirdness dating back to uh, at least the uh, 70s when he and his wife put out a uh, kind of zine called the Hollow Earth Hassle, which had to do with inner earth investigations and, uh, you know, kind of the Richard Shaver uh, mythology. That, that whole uh, thing about uh, these underground uh, creatures called the Deros that have been living there for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, whatnot. And uh, so, you know, that was part of his background. He actually knew uh, Richard Shaver uh, back in the day. And as I learned, Tal was kind of one of those guys who knew a lot of people and had been involved as an influencer in this scene. He preferred to be a, a kind of a man behind the uh, scenes feeding information to other folks. So, you know, prior to the, a lot of the Dulce base stuff, he had been interested in this hollow earth stuff, but he'd also been a security guard for uh, many years. And he claimed he had had knowledge of underground uh, bases, all this kind of, woven to this mythology that he helped put out there. And once again, people don't know that name, Talavesque, but he was feeding different researchers a lot of this uh, information around the same time the Dulce Papers came out. Tal, under the name of Jason Bishop, authored uh, a paper called The Dulce Base and uh, fed this to other people like John Lear, names you might know, William Hamilton, Val Valerian uh, put out the Matrix series. His real name was John Grace. Uh, Branton is famous. And all of these guys were kind of taking the stuff Tal was doing and then adding a little spin on it. And so all this, all of these different writers and researchers were feeding this into ufology around the same time. And it looked like uh, people confirming each other's stories you know and that's right. that's the way it really gained uh, traction within ufology um er, early on uh well, i began to suspect as i was communicating with tal was that this character of tom castello was really a literary composite of tal himself his experiences and those of uh Paul Benowitz, and for years and years, uh, as I continued to interface with Tal, he denied that, you know, that, no, he's he's a real, uh, Tom Castello was a uh, real person until finally, for some reason, I guess he got tired of me <laughs> asking these questions, and he uh, admitted, I think it was around 2015, I the letters at the end of the book that he had created a large swath of the uh, Dulce based mythos. Right. And so that was the whole thing. The underground caverns or whatever were tied to Dulce, but also existed in other parts of the country. 
And there were all, all the future writings after, like Dulce, there were all these. Can you talk a little bit of, about Majestic 12 and how that kind of plays in? There was all these documents that came out that supposedly verified the earlier information. Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, that sure plays into it. Uh, let me st- add to that a little bit before we get into MJ12. Uh, so... Um, until also in the 70s came across, he was the first one who came across those uh, blueprints, the RAND blueprints uh, with the tunnel boring machines. And if you look, if you look on the web, you'll find uh, probably the most famous underground uh, tunnel map uh You'll see, I bet if you did a a search underground tunnels, you'll see one that comes up with Tal's name on it, 1990. And that's the one a lot of people point to. But uh, So he came across those documents somehow. It wasn't clear if he had worked for Rand or Rand Corporation or how he got them. And he fed them to uh, researcher Richard Sauter, who in the mid-'90s released a book, uh, I forget the exact title, Underground Basis. So that's how that kind of helped uh, that become a thing, the whole Dumbs Deep Underground Military uh, Bases. And so uh, the documents, uh, MJ-12 stuff, that really goes into uh, back to uh, Benowitz and his interactions with uh, Bill Moore, who I had mentioned uh, Earlier in uh, 1980, uh, Moore published the first book on the Roswell incident, which up to that time had just been kind of a a footnote in UFO history. People didn't really talk about Roswell uh, much prior to that. You know, there were stories of uh, flying saucer crashes and whatnot, but people, you know, looked... uh, Remembered more Aztec was kind of a uh, story, but Roswell, the Roswell crash became a dominant story in uh, 1980 with uh, Bill Moore's uh, book. And uh, at some point, Moore was contacted by an intelligence uh, official who he referred to afterwards as Falcon. And uh, Falcon was supposedly a high level. intelligence uh, officer, uh, wasn't clear at that time who he was, but uh, Falcon uh, uh, approached Moore and uh, said he'd been watching uh, Moore. He was impressed with his uh, research and that uh, he'd like to uh, get involved uh, and offered him a deal that uh, he would feed more top-secret UFO information, classified stuff, if uh, Moore in turn would keep tabs on ufology. At that time, within the uh, world of ufology, uh, you had a lot of people like Paul Benowitz, for instance, and uh, different people involved in MUFON and these UFO organizations who were also worked in uh, the field as contractors in aviation on stealth uh, fighter projects and a lot a lot of uh, you know other uh, classified uh, projects who were also in view, uh, involved in ufology so that that was kind of the interest there with falcon whoever he was and other uh, 
people uh, in intelligence circles keeping track of these different uh, people in ufology who also worked uh, for the government on contracts. And at that same time, also, you had Russians, uh, nationals, and Chinese, and uh, also (laughs) infiltrating these uh, UFO groups to find out, uh, you know, about these, using that as a cover to find out more about classified projects. So... And wasn't, uh, at, didn't Falcon turn out to be Doty? Isn't that correct? Well, or is that uh, still not, not confirmed? That, that gets that gets a bit complicated. But uh, at one point, uh, Falcon said he was uh, turning over like the liaison duties between uh, Moore and him to Doty, so Doty would be his uh, contact. And that's how Moore got involved in the uh, Benowitz affair and some of these shady. Uh, documents that uh, were passed from Doty to uh, Moore, and Moore was supposed to pass on to uh, Paul Benowitz. And uh, among those documents uh, were the uh, MJ-12 uh, documents, which uh, Moore, so he claimed, they ended up on his uh, actually his research partner, Jamie Shandera's doorstep in 1984, uh, postmarked uh, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, but no name, sent anonymously. A lot of people point to, well, <laughs> that might have been Doty right there. They, uh, but uh, And so, uh, and what these documents were, they, I'm sure uh, a lot of your listeners might uh, have heard of these. They were some briefing uh, documents by this super secret MJ-12 uh, group made of government uh, monkey mucks, you know, like CIA director and these types, half a dozen or a dozen. Well, yeah, MJ-12 dozen uh, people that uh, were prepared this briefing document for Eisenhower that claimed that, yeah, there had been a crash in uh, Roswell and that uh, this group had been formed to uh, deal with the uh, UFO presence and that there had been some type of uh, secret treaty over the years and that even as the story evolved, there was an alien in captivity. And so that was that was basically the MJ-12 documents, and they helped really confirm, in a sense, uh, Moore's book from a few years before that, you know, the uh, Roswell incident. Now, in your, uh, recent, uh, you know, over time, these documents pretty much were proved to be a uh, hoax, but uh, the, uh, you know, no one's really the FBI looked at it and they found that the uh, documents indeed were uh, bogus, but they never could pin down who was uh, responsible for them. A lot of people think it was uh Doty or more or Do- Doty or more uh, working in uh, cahoots, but uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, but more was interesting too, because he wasn't on board all the way. Didn't he kind of, admit that some of the stuff was disinformation and people didn't like him for it? Oh, uh, certainly. Um, and he has his critics, you know, who do, some who don't uh, believe him, but he he 
his basic uh, position, and he outlined this in 1989 at the big uh, MUFON, MUFON conference, right? yeah. yeah, in uh, uh, Las Vegas, where he came out and uh, really kind of laid, laid it all out there that he had this arrangement with the uh, government that he never knowingly uh, – passed on uh, disinformation to uh, Benowitz that he just kind of got sucked into this uh, web too, because as he uh, said, uh, you don't learn anything unless you play the game. But he also, uh, you know, he basically laid this out there for a group of ufologists who really got pissed off at this conference. And he, uh, brought some receipts and named names, and he said th- this whole thing. He didn't uh, name Lear specifically, but it was obviously who he was talking about and a couple of other uh, ufologists at this time who had latched on to the Dulce story and basically taken uh, the Benowitz story and uh, just totally uh, embellished it and <laughs> took it to a even higher crazy uh, level with uh, false claims and whatnot. This was at the same time that Bill Cooper was involved in the scene. They're all kind of repeating similar stories about MJ 12 and Dulce base or the Krill papers. These all basically overlapped, you know, and Cooper was there at that MUFON conference, right? 1989. And mm-hmm. he had pretty outlandish kind of, uh, statements about what was going on well yeah he was basically presenting the same story that uh lear was as well you know there was a there was a little twist on each of them they had you know different (laughs) a little bit different angles but they were saying you know uh, relating the same uh, story about an mj12 group that was looking into this and a uh, secret uh treaty and lear you know even took it to a crazier level that the the uh the whole cattle mutilation thing was part of this larger scheme by the aliens that were doing the uh, creating these uh, human alien hybrids and uh, the mutilations played into this and that they were also extracting uh, fluid from human babies. The aliens needed this to survive whole, you know, it just got <laughs> totally uh, crazy but the you know the, a lot of these uh, folks were kind of repeating the same uh story now so it uh, stuck in the uh consciousness of uh folks and uh became uh, a, you know a larger legend by the mid 90s you, you know you had uh Phil Schneider another famous name who uh, latched on to it as well. Schneider was later, and I kind of laid out in this book, had uh, mental uh, problems and uh, was a self-mutilator and all of this. He later claimed his self-mutilations were part of a Dulce uh, firefight, that the same one that Tom uh, Castello, a uh, fictional character, uh, talked about this. And Tal later uh, told me that he was also feeding information to uh, Phil Schneider during this period. So all these right. stories kind of uh, and come you together. Said, you know? said Tal was feeding it to Bill Cooper as well. So Tal was seeding all these guys with these stories, and Schneider literally cut off his fingers, right? 
Uh, yeah, he did. Um, you know, and uh, I can't totally confirm, you know, to, Tal told me he was feeding uh, information to everybody, but uh, some of it over time has proved out, you know, that, yeah, he was indeed in contact with a lot of all these st- uh, people. I can't prove that he, every, you know, if he believed Tal that uh, everything came from him, but I know certainly a lot of these uh, stories and legends came from uh, Tal and his involvement over the years. But can you, t- you also had a chapter about Bob Lazar, who I saw on Joe Rogan there. Joe Rogan kind of pops up a couple of times. A couple of people who are on Rogan pops up in your book. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about Lazar and what your opinion of him is? Well, <clears throat> I'm dubious about a lot, a lot of these folks. And he, you know, uh, Lazar really, uh, came to the attention, uh, of folks in, uh, that, around that time uh, in the late eighties when uh, because of his association with John Lear, you know, who's once again (laughs) seems to be one of those people like town. A few others are at the center of these uh, stories. And of course uh, Lear claimed that, yeah, he was uh, employed at area 51 back engineering uh, craft and he was blowing the whistle on this uh, originally he uh, George Knapp the journalist TV guy out of Las Vegas interviewed him uh because uh through uh John Lear and uh, at that time his first interview uh Lazar was using the name of Dennis later uh, he got outed or revealed himself but uh and so uh what what transpired after that was that Lear and Lazar and another guy named uh, Gene Huff started uh, really the first ones to go out to uh, Area 51 or a, a place where you could view into Area 51 where all these sightings of quote unquote UFOs or whatever they were uh, are were going on. And once again, it became a uh, sensation during that uh, period and you know a lot of the spin on these things with that they were uh, alien craft and uh, Lazar was promoting uh, you know uh, a lot of these for instance Lazar also promoted the story about there had been an underground uh, confrontation at uh, Area 51 that he viewed in a briefing paper that you know sounded a hell of a lot like the whole dulcie thing so it seemed like the same playbook was uh being used uh, again and again and here we you know we're many 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 years uh later and these same characters seem to be keep popping up again and again like it's a new thing you know right and it was interesting too because i didn't know all the background about these guys surfacing on coast to coast am so they had all kind of known each other and kind of came up. And that, to me, was – would you agree that that's how a lot of this stuff became popularized in the culture? Uh, yeah, and um, uh, Robert Bigelow is another uh, player in this who's uh, – he's, uh, you know, Bigelow, Bigelow – uh, he has – he's been involved in the uh, space industry and uh, – and uh 
at uh, really involved with a lot of these stories uh, promoting uh, quote unquote science into UFOs and weird phenomena, and uh, he uh, links links up with a lot of the uh, characters and the stories over the year. And it was Bigelow, and uh, of course Bigelow later uh, purchased. Uh, the Skinwalker Ranch, where right. a lot of uh, weird things are supposedly going on. But back in around 1993, I think it was, 94, Big- Bigelow basically funded a radio program with Art Bell and George Knapp, another name that turns up, Linda Moulton Al. She's in these stories. And this was prior to Coast to Coast uh, AM. That's basically where... Uh, Art Bell kind of started, and Art later uh, commented that uh, the reason he got into ufology was because of John Lear. Right. So, like, these guys, I mean, very interesting backgrounds, yeah. And Knapp was also on Rogan, so these guys are still around. Knapp, Lazar. Oh, yeah? Also, (laughs) you had that whole chapter on um, Tom DeLonge and To the Stars Academy. Which is mm-hmm. really interesting too. Once again, some of some of the same characters who were involved with uh, to the Stars Academy. I mean, when it was originally launched, it was like uh, kind of a two pronged deal. One would be entertainment, trying to get the message out there about uh, space exploration and uh, that type of stuff, and but also a science. Uh, wing that would look into strange phenomena if there's been uh, alien contact and some of the folks involved in that like Hal Pudoff is one of these names who has allegedly been part of this group called the Aviary which was kind of like an MJ-12 group that was involved with uh, a lot of these same names Richard Doty and different uh, players uh, and uh Pudoff was also involved in the, uh, what they call it, Project Stargate in the early 70s, which the CIA funded uh, for remote viewers, which uh, another character called Kit Green, who was with the CIA, who was uh, part of that uh, project where they were looking at uh, paranormal psychic phenomena. John Alexander is another guy involved. So once again, these guys... uh, turn up time and time again and you know there's always this intelligence community aspect to a lot of these uh capers you know now whether they're all involved in a counterintelligence operation uh is another story i think there's different agendas and there's useful idiots uh sometimes that are involved in a lot of this like <laughs> yeah you may you do name some in the book i don't, I don't want to repeat it but yeah, it is interesting because the intelligence people Stubblebine's friends with. I think he's friends with Alexander, and he's married to Rima Labo, who was friends with Bud Hopkins, and she's a experiencer, psychologist, or something. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of very curious incestuous, ties. Yeah, yes, very much so. Um, it's a great book. I really recommend this book. There's so much more information here. It really flushed out like the Mirage Man story and. You have 10 times more information. Roger is actually kind of thin, to my opinion, on information. They do show um, some of the video of these people, but uh, your book is way better. <laughs> so I highly recommend that. Do you mind taking a few questions? Adam? Oh, sure. 
Christ the King asks, does he know anything about the TR3B Black Manta? I don't know what that is. Is that, is that an inside joke? I don't know. No, it sounds like some uh, stealth technology of some sort or so- something, but no, I don't know anything specifically know anything about, about that. And you had one guy in the book who got arrested for like child porn or child rape. And here Ken is asking something about how many ufologists have been busted for child related. I assume that's child molestation or porn. It's certainly true of Stan Romanek. Can you talk? Yeah. To Stan Romanek, for sure. I don't know a lot about him, really. Uh, I mean, there's been other people who are alleged, uh, like uh, the famous Branton. There's stories that he got in trouble for uh, those type of activities. So, yeah, there's definitely been some <laughs> definitely of sh- shady characters in uh, ufology over the years. Yeah, Dodie's really a remarkable guy. Like, they're, Oh, my gosh. Head, yeah. And he's still around. Like you had a quote from him from 2018, mm-hmm. uh, Fade to Black or one of those shows. So he's still around. And he actually, something strange happened with him. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like he ended up uh, not doing his job or whatever. With uh, Dodie? Yeah. Didn't a he lot end of up going to Germany or something? A lot of strange things that <laughs> happened. What I think um, went on with Dodie in 19. 19- 84, he got shipped uh, overseas. He was working in East uh, Germany and apparently got in trouble. But uh, according to other folks I've talked to, like uh, Greg Valdez, who was Gabe Valdez's son, uh, he got what he really got in trouble for uh, was uh, leaking uh, some classified goodies and. Uh, it might have been related to the whole MJ-12 uh, caper. So he he got uh, around 1984 shipped overseas, and that's you know the same time the MJ-12 papers released. Of course, uh, Doty always uh, denied that. And uh, but uh, so while he was over there, he got uh, uh, stripped of his uh, special agent. Uh, duties and uh a couple of years later uh ended up working in the mess hall there at uh, Kirtland before his uh retirement i believe in uh around 1988 or so but uh yeah i mean so, some of the things he's like you said he's still popping up in uh, d- doing stuff like uh, fade to black and there was an interesting thing there i mean 90 to 95 percent of what he says is like bs but as my friend greg bishop who got to know dody well and wrote a book on the benowitz affair called project beta there's like a five percent there were a, a little bit of information there that's important that you can pull out and you know try to get it confirmed with other sources and not one thing that was interesting that he said during a that recent uh, fade to black interview was he was asked by Jimmy church about, okay, are there still assets is, uh, you know, are, is the uh, intelligence community still doing this in ufology and, uh, you know, like cultivating assets like uh, Bill Moore and uh, others. And he said, uh, he said it wasn't really being done that much. I think nowadays with the internet and social media, you don't need to go to UFO conferences. But what he said that was interesting, he said 
Bill Moore really came to their attention, not because of UFOs, but because of a contact he had with uh, Russian nationals. As it turned out, uh, Moore was a, uh, before he got into ufology, he was a high school uh, educator who taught Spanish and Russian. Supposedly he was fluent in Russian and he had contacts uh, with uh, different Russian scientists and journalists who is uh, communicating this. And that's why he, uh, according to Doty, why he came up on the uh, radar of the uh, Air Force. And more uh, later was like the first to release a, a aerial photo of uh, area 51 which he supposedly got from i later heard and i think he even said from russians so you know (laughs) yeah can you talk about robert anton wilson you had like a friendship with him you're you're also still a member of the discordian group is that correct you talk a little bit about Uh, that I guess <laughs> you, you could say that. <laughs> you know, I'm just curious about your relationship with Robert Anton Wilson because he's so influential. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got to know him when I was writing my book, The uh, Prankster and the Conspiracy, about Kerry uh, Thornley, and uh, interviewed him for that uh, book. And, you know, that's how I got to know him. And, uh, I mean, it was an important uh, resource for getting some insight on Kerry Thornley's whole story. Because um, yeah, there was Kerry, all that stuff was in the Playboy mail-in stuff, right? All the conspiracy stuff that that Robert Anton Wilson collected, that was part of it. Was that something like Is that true? Yeah. Um, so... Um, Back in uh, like '68 or so, they uh, boy, this this gets can get pretty deep into this stuff. But they started uh, Thornley. You know, they, they kind of had an interest. Uh, Thornley had been uh, uh, a target of Jim Garrison's investigation into in, the JFK assassination because Thornley had known uh, Lee Harvey Oswald in the Marines and uh, Garrison uh, suspected that uh, Thornley was some kind of handler that he with some, with a cabal of some sort based out of new Orleans that he had uh, set Oswald up to, and, you know, Thornley had appeared before the uh, Warren commission. And, uh, and so these were, this this was going on, and so he became a target of uh, Garrison's investigation. And uh, Garrison had a bunch of uh, uh, freelance investigators working for him uh, or just feeding him information. And one was a John Bircher named Alan Chapman who claimed that the Bavarian Illuminati was behind the Kennedy assassination. And Thornley thought that was kind of uh, hilarious, and they started screwing around with other investigators uh, by uh, sending these fake letters claiming to be the Varian Illuminati. They adopted names. Thornley was uh, Omar Khayyam Ravenhurst, uh, and he he knew Robert Anton Wilson during this period uh, through the Discordian Society, which was kind of a group of artists and... uh, 
writers who were interacting and doing kind of silly stuff in the name of uh, Discordianism, and they started this oper- what they called Operation Mindfuck just to mess with uh, you know different groups, John Birch Society, almost like Candidious- culture. First or earliest culture jammers? Would you agree with that? Yeah, culture jammers for sure. And uh, and so there, there's that background. And what this led to was, like I said, this operation uh, mindfuck. And at the time, uh, Wilson was an editor for Playboy, and um, they dictated a uh, letter and answer. It was he was the editor for the Playboy. Uh, I always forget the name. It was either the advisor or the uh, forum, and they planted this uh, letter. The uh, writer was asking that they'd heard rumors that you know about this ancient uh, secret society that it's been alleged was behind all the assassinations, and then uh, uh, Wilson uh, answered the letter. And anyway, this kind of helped plant the seed, or pushed, you know, the, these legends of the Illuminati more out there into uh, culture or into count the uh, counterculture of the time. I mean, there, you know, there was like with the John Birch Society and some on the uh, fringe or far right of the uh, political uh, spectrum, they were promoting these theories. But at that time, you know, it kind of also got picked up by the uh, counterculture as well. And I think that was because of the influence of uh, Wilson and Thornley and these others. And so Wilson there at Playboy started getting just more crazy letters from uh, people. And all of this uh, eventually inspired the Illuminatus uh, trilogy where he took a lot of these conspiracy theories and uh, kind of fed them into the uh, story of the book. He also includes the Discordian Society in the book uh, and their uh, ages-old battle with the uh, Illuminati. So all of this kind of pushed a lot of of these uh, memes and themes and, you know, legends into uh, popular culture over the years. Gotcha. Great. Well, we are coming to the end. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed or where can people reach out? Where can they, where's the best place to buy the book and your social media accounts as well? So the book is published by Daily Grill Press, by some of your listeners uh, may know. So uh, check them out. But uh, if you go there looking for the book, you'll, uh, it'll lead you to Amazon. So, you know, like a lot of things these days, that's, uh, where to get it at Amazon, Saucer, Spooks and Kooks, uh, UFO Disinformation, and the Age of Aquarius. Uh, I'm also on, if people are interested in the Discordian Society and all that, I have a uh, website dedicated to it called Astoria Discordia. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, have a um, UF, couple of uh, blogs. One is called Chasing UFOs, and if you go there, you'll see a uh, saucer spooks and kooks resource page that shows a lot of the documentation and stuff uh, behind the book. So yeah, that's basically it. Well, I highly recommend this book. I learned a lot. There's tons of information in this. We barely covered a quarter of it, if that. So again, the author is Adam Go Rightly, and the book title is Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks, UFO Disinformation in the Age of Aquarius. Thank you so much. Thank you, William. It was fun.